Well, we've been having a wonderful day today. Uh, I also want to just say you're welcome. I brought some really nice weather from Texas for all of you. And, uh, you know, hopefully every day it's going to get a little warmer here. So, but uh, yeah, it is, it's an honor to be here at Five Stones and in Vancouver and uh, just to teach on these different topics about prophetic ministry and prophecy in the church. And, you know, some of these are, are, are topics that are so misunderstood today and and so I just want to encourage you to take notes tonight. Uh, there's no PowerPoint. So, you know, as I mentioned a verse, I just encourage you to take down that, that scripture. And later you can, you know, read it again. And, and um, God's going to, I believe, uh, impart something into us tonight. Hallelujah. Uh, tonight I'm talking about, as you can see on the screen here, it says, Walking in my prophetic word while living in a corporate vision. Now, this is a fancy, fancy way of saying that how do I pursue the call of God or the gifts of God that I know are on my life while also participating in a bigger vision called the local church? And sometimes this has been a, a real problem for churches because you have a pastor and the pastor has a vision. He has a calling by God. He's been, uh, you know, uh, in a city and he has a church and he has a vision that God's put on his heart, and it's, you know, we want to win this area. We want to win New, New West, and, and uh, you know, like Five Stones is in this, in this uh, area, and they, uh, there's a vision that God's put on Pastor Rich and Mimi, and there's, there's a, a how they want to do it and, and where they want to take this, and, but yet the church is made up of many individuals, and so there is this corporate vision of what we call Five Stones Church. There's a corporate vision of what God wants to do in that, in that region, that city. And that, that vision is upon a, a man or a couple or a leadership team. So they have their vision and they're working towards that. And the, 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 the thing is, they can't do it by themselves. So what does God do? God adds to the church. He adds gifts and, and talents to the church to be able to, to complete the overall vision. Because one man or one couple cannot win a city, right? It's impossible. And uh, so what does God do? God brings a group of people together with like hearts, like vision, with talents to be able to complete that vision. So how do we as an individual cooperate with a corporate vision but also pursue an individual vision? How does that work? And I tell you, it's tricky sometimes, and there's been many disastrous uh, stories and, uh, that we have seen in churches where someone gets a prophetic word and they, they feel like, well, I can't fit within this church structure, and so I'm out of here, and they take off, and maybe they, they take, you know, 10 people with them, and they, we call that a church split or a division, and, and it's like, no, that's, something's wrong with that picture. That's not how God wants to do it. So how do I, as an individual, hear these prophetic words over my life and pursue those prophetic words while still helping the overall or the bigger vision that I'm a part of? Okay? So we want to talk about some aspects of that tonight. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25 and 26. <clears throat> and Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Everybody say, shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? So Jesus is talking about how kingdoms stand. 
And a kingdom divided cannot stand. It's just like when uh, at home, when your children divide you as parents. You have one of those kids. I, used, I had one of those kids in my house that, you know, if they come to dad and they ask dad, hey, dad, what do you think about this? And dad says, no. So then what do they do? They go to mom and, hey, mom, what do you think about this? And mom says, well, of course you can have that, honey. Uh, of course. And so there is a division well, that division causes authority to dwindle in the house because there's a, a division of authority. It doesn't work. If a husband and wife are not in agreement of where we're going to go as a family or as a couple, you know, maybe a husband has a, a desire to become a missionary, but she wants to, you know, have the, the white uh, house with the picket fence and the two, two dogs and the 3.5 children. I don't want to leave Canada, right? Well, there's a division. There's a division in that kingdom, and it's going to be make it very shaky. So Jesus is saying here, where there is division or divisiveness, it's not going to stand. So we see this time and time again in churches where we have an overall vision, a corporate vision, but we have maybe an individual or two individuals that are pursuing their own vision, and they're running hard after that, and it sometimes causes this division in the, in the overall church. And this is so unfortunate, and it's such a bad testimony to what God wants to do. And so sometimes pastors say, hey, no more prophecy. <laughs> they forbid prophecy. Don't listen to the prophets. Don't, don't get prophetic words. Just stay under this umbrella. And sometimes that even comes into an abusive thing of controlling that congregation. So there's this balance that sometimes is very difficult for us to walk walk in. But I want to encourage you tonight that if God's called you to five stones, let's say tonight five stones is your church. And if I ask you, what is your home church? Where is your home church? And you say, well, it's this church on the corner or, uh, or five stones is my church. And that means that there is a corporate vision that when you come to that church, you also come under a corporate vision. Amen. So if I say five stones is my church, but I don't believe in the vision, well, then it's probably you shouldn't be here. There's probably another church you should be at where you can say, I agree with the overall vision. I mean, think about it. There, have you ever been in, I, I, unfortunately, I have seen and been in some churches where somebody, you know, asked me to go to lunch and all lunch, they're just slamming the pastor and they're slamming the vision of the church and I don't agree with this and I don't and I finally stopped the brother and say why are you here then you can't agree with this person you can't agree with the church what's going on I mean and all that that person is going to do is going to continue to divide the church and be divisive in the way that they're acting and responding and it's unfortunate so if you say that five stones is your church then that means you say I'm saying yes to the vision of five stones. I'm going to be a participant in this vision. I'm going to take my gifts, my talents, my abilities, and my money to be a part of the vision of God that's called Five Stones Church. And I'm going to participate in that willingly, voluntarily. All right? So within that context, I'm saying I'm signing up for the vision. I'm signing up. I want to participate. I want to be involved in what's going on because if I call this my home church, then that means I'm also calling the vision part of my vision as well. I can't say this is my church, but I don't agree with the leaders. I don't agree with the vision. Then it's like, why are you here then? 
well, they got really cute girls at, at, you know, Five Stones, and I'm trying to hook up with somebody. That's the wrong reason to be at church. Come on. You understand? And so the, the reality is that this happens so much in our countries. It's happened so much in our churches that, uh, you know, we have so many Christian bunnies. I call them Christian bunnies because they're Christians that hop from one church to another. Uh, I call them the Christian rabbits. And so, but God doesn't want that. I mean, if God's called you to a church, then that means that I'm saying yes to the vision of that church. I'm saying yes to the leadership of that church that are now over my life. You still love me? <laughs> you understand? This is, sometimes it's hard for us to, to, to hear it that way, but I want to say that, that I want to be a part of what God is doing in the local church where he has me. I want to participate in that local vision because blessing will come upon me when I do this. Blessing will come upon me when I follow and I am a part of the answer, part of the, the, the army that God wants to use to see that vision in the heart of a pastor come to pass, where his vision becomes part of my vision. Is that okay? All right. So, a kingdom divided will not stand. All right. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says it like this. And I say also unto you, you are Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. He speaks, he shows, and parts into a man's heart this vision. So Jesus is interested in building the church. Jesus is interested in building the church. The kingdom. Not many kingdoms. Not many churches in that sense. There is one church, there is one kingdom, there is one king, there is one head. And he is all about building that kingdom, that church worldwide, and that's what is in his heart. And so he puts his heart and deposits his heart into people, that their heart becomes like his heart. I want to build the church. I want to do and be involved in the kingdom of God. So God gives this vision to a man. He's like the captain of the ship, and if we say, hey, I'm on that ship, that means I'm going the direction of the captain, right? So God gives a vision to maybe a pastor, a pastor and his wife and their family, and, and uh, those of us that say, hey, I, I like that ship, I'm getting on that ship, where's it going? Let's go together, right? And we all are all rowing together now. We're all working on that ship because there's a destiny that we're all going towards, that's called the corporate vision. There are many parts, but one body. We see this all through the, the, uh, the scriptures, this concept of many pieces, but they all fit together, and, and the body working together causes it to advance and move forward. And we, we understand that with our natural body. We, our, our finger doesn't say, hey, I don't need the hand anymore. I'm just going to go do my own thing. Well, that finger is not going to last long by itself. But connected to the body, it's going to flourish and it's going to fulfill the purpose of why that finger was created. That's why it's so important for us to be part of a local church. If you're not part of a local church, you're visiting tonight and you're saying, hey, I saw this prophetic conference is happening and I'm just going to go check it out. If you're not part of a local church, you really need to be a part of a local church. This is a good one, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure there are other great churches here in Vancouver, but, uh, you know, I want to encourage you, be a part of a local church. 
Because when we're outside of the church, when we're outside of the body doing our own thing, it's like a finger by itself trying to survive and trying to succeed in life and prosper. It's going to have a hard time. We need to be connected to one another to fulfill our purpose. God has given each member a gift, a ministry, a role. Each of you in this room tonight, if Five Stones is your church, there is a purpose why you're here. And it's more than just heating the seat. <laughs> you understand that? It's more than just filling the seat and putting money in the offering plate and I've done my role at Five Stones Church. No, you haven't. There is more for you to do in this place. You're here for a purpose and the gifts that are inside of you, God wants to use them to help build and help the, the ship get to the destiny. That's why you're here. You're not here just to be an observer, not just here to, to be uh, uh, one of the fans in the stand that are, you know, applauding all the things that happen on the stage. That's not why you're here. There is more, there are more reasons why you're here. There are more reasons why you're part of a local church. Well, I thought I just went to the local church to be fed. Yeah, that's part of it, but it's only a small part. You are being blessed to become a blessing. You are being filled and trained so that you can fill and train others. There is a reproduction. There is a multiplication that takes place as we are part of a local church. And it is part of what God has for us in the corporate vision of God when we are part of a local church. When I begin to understand this, you realize that I need to be a part of the body. Sometimes, you know, especially in North America, especially in Texas, you know that in our state flag, there's only one star. It's literally called the Lone Star State. <laughs> Talk about a spirit of independence. Texas is, the, is the, the manifestation of the spirit of independence. In fact, in our const state constitution, we're one of the only states that could leave the United States and become its own country. Can you believe that? <laughs> there is an independent spirit there. So what happens in churches? There's lots of independent players in the church. And so it's really hard sometimes for churches to build teams and the corporate vision, because so many people come to the church and they all have their own visions. And they're all there. You're here to help me do what I want to do. Pastor, you're here to help me develop into who I'm supposed to be. And, you know, I don't really care what you're doing. I, I'm just here to get something so I can go do my thing. And, and it's an independent spirit. It's like literally my foot saying, Greg, I, I, I connect with you once in a while, but I really don't need you. I'm going to go walk my own walk. It's like, wait a minute, you can't do that. You've got to stay connected to my leg in order for you to function. This is part of the dilemma that we have in our world today is this tension between pursuing what God put in my heart, but while we're still connected to a body that has a vision. It's a challenge. It's a challenge in Texas. I'll just say that. It's a challenge in, in the state that I live in and the churches there. That's one of the greatest challenges in our churches in Texas is that there is the spirit of independence so strong that it causes people sometimes just to do crazy things because they heard a prophetic word and they say, forget my local church. I don't need you. I'm going to go do my own thing. So many people have crashed and burned because of that because they've 
heard the word of God. They heard a prophetic word at some conference and they say, forget it, pastor. There's no room for me at this church. I'm going to go do my own thing. And it did not work out well. We have to be connected to the body. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. All right. Let's look at the Apostle Paul just for a second. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, this is a story where um, Ananias, this disciple, gets this vision and God speaks to this, this disciple and says, listen, I want you to go find this man named Saul. He's at this house. He's, at, he's, he, he's praying right now. He's blind. He's, he's uh, you know, going through this situation. But, but I, God gave Ananias a prophetic word. And the prophetic word was this, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, Acts 9, verse 15. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now remember, Ananias knew who Saul was. He, he had seen, you know, CNN and Fox News and said, hey, I know who Saul is. I mean, Saul is a dangerous man. But God was saying, listen, I know what, what his history is, but this is what I see in Saul. Saul did, uh, God did not see a persecutor of the church, a killer of Christians. He saw an apostle. One that would go to many, many people groups. One that would break down, uh, you know, the cultural barriers and take the gospel to the Gentiles. That's what God saw in this man named Paul. And so Ananias was sent to this man. He went to the right house, to the right place, and he began to prophesy over Saul this prophetic word. You are a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. This is the prophetic calling that comes over Saul. And we know that as Saul left that moment, his eyes were open. And it's more than just a physical thing. There was a spiritual opening that came into his life. And he began to realize who he is and what his, what his calling was. But this calling came in this moment of a prophetic event that took place in Saul's life. We know that from that point on, there was about a three-year period where Saul was, uh, he was doing different things, but, but really there was this time of waiting. There was this time of preparation. And I want to I talk about this a little bit because many times the calling comes in a moment. But there is another event that took place in Saul's life called the commission, where God had called Saul. God had spoken over Saul's life in this moment and told Saul, this is where I want to take you. This is what I want to do. But it wasn't until Acts 13 where there was this moment where they laid hands on Saul and Barnabas and they prophesied over them and they sent them out. They separated them for the ministry. And sometimes we miss this in the local church. We hear prophetic words over our life, which is a calling. It is an invitation by God to, to begin a cooperative um, process with the Lord. And sometimes people hear that calling and they say, well, God's called me. He's called me to be a senior pastor. He's called me to be, uh, you know, whatever, a prophet or an evangelist. And, and uh, you know, pastor, didn't you hear what God said about me? Didn't you hear the prophetic word? Weren't you at the prophetic conference? Didn't you hear the prophecies over my life? And we get so excited about the calling. But even in, in Saul's life, there was a moment, moments, process between the calling and the commission, okay? And many times people hear the calling and they jump the ship. They say, well, God's called me to this and God's called me to do that and 
I don't need the local church anymore. I don't need to be under authority anymore. I don't need uh, to be a part of this. I need to go do my thing because God called me. Do you know how many people have said that? I've heard God call me and they, they take off running. They don't wait for the timing of God. They don't wait for the blessing of the leadership. They don't wait for any of that stuff. They just heard the calling and they just go run after the calling. And it's caused great damage to their own life and even to the testimony of the church. This is not what God has for us. In Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and 27, it says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. So Saul shows up at the church and like, wait a minute, this guy, is the, he's the persecutor. He's the killer of the, of the Christians. And they did not want to accept him. But verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. You see, this is body ministry. This is the body caring for one another. Saul shows up, everyone's scared, but there was a man named Barnabas. And Barnabas starts connecting him to the body. Because the calling on Saul cannot happen by itself. This calling on Saul needed to happen within the context of a local church connected to a body. The calling on your life, the things that God's spoken over you, is not going to happen by yourself. You've got to be connected to a body. It will, the process will be so much easier in your life than you trying to do it out there by yourself. Saul began to be a part of the local church, being part of the disciples, being part of what was happening. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. This is Acts 9, verse 27. We see here Barnabas now helping Saul connect to the local body to the apostles, to the leaders. We see this connection beginning to happen, the, you know, like the joints and the marrow and the tendons starting to come together in Saul's life. And how there was a specific man that brought that connection and Saul begins to grow in his apostolic calling. When I was, uh, I was, uh, I was 16 years old and God began to speak to me about ministry, I had just been filled with the Holy Spirit. I had experienced, I came from the Mennonite church, uh, very traditional background, didn't believe in any of these kinds of things, and, and, uh, but I suffered a great injury in sports, and so I was, I was laid out. The diagnosis was terrible that I would never, you know, be able to do any kind of activity, physical activity ever again. Walking would be difficult, um, and there was lots of diagnosis over me at 16, and I was desperate. And a friend of mine was, was speaking to me about, well, you know, God heals today. And I grew up with the teaching that, well, if God heals, it's his choice. We don't ask. But he said, no, no, God's healing today. It's happening today. Miracles are still happening today. And he began to speak hope into me. And he said, man, come with me to this church. And so I went with him to this church. It was a Pentecostal church. Talk about a Mennonite going to a Pentecostal church. <laughs> Talk about a shock. All the things my pastor warned me about was happening. They were happening at that church. And, um, but, but at that place is where God touched my heart. He healed my body instantly to this very day. And um, 
that opened my eyes by itself, and I realized, whoa, there's more to this than I realize. There's more to this than that I was taught in the Mennonite church, and I need what they have. It scares me what they have, because they were speaking in tongues, and I mean, dancing, and there was, they used instruments. We never used instruments in our church, only a cappella we would sing out of hymn books, and so you know, all of this was so new to me. It was like, what, this is crazy. This, you know, so disrespectful in God's house, right? And so much, you know, it was like a big party and it was a concert almost. And, and people were dancing and there were people falling on the floor. And it was, it was just this, this, this hit, this, this confrontation of what I had been taught to what I'm seeing and experiencing today. And, and boy, it, it was transforming my life. And I began to feel the call of God come upon me. And God began to speak to me about the future. I want to use you to help bring healing to people. I want to use you to bring messages to people. And I didn't understand what all that meant. But I looked at my context, which was the Mennonite church. And I realized, whoa, if I go back and start talking about speaking in tongues, this is going to be a problem, right? (laughs) It's going to be a serious problem, um, in my context that I'm at. But so God began to speak into my heart about a calling upon my life. It started as a desire in my heart. There was no angel that came and said, Greg, I'm calling you to do this. There was just this desire in my heart that began to, I want to help people. You see, sometimes callings, when we use that term, we, th- we have this you know, this big event that takes place or this, you know, this angel comes and speaks to you or the Lord himself, you know, comes and manifests before you and he says, oh, son, I've called you to do this or that. Sometimes it starts with a desire in our heart. And that desire is a God desire beginning to lead us down the road he has for us. And that's what's happening in my life. And, and so by 18... I was ministering to full gospel businessmen meetings. I was being invited to go to these big churches to share my testimony about being healed. And the gifts of God were operating in my life. The prophetic gifts were starting to operate already. And, and so even, you know, adults, pastors and leaders of the area around was starting to, to, to know about what was going on. They were inviting me to go do these things. And, and Things were starting to grow already in ministry, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. But God gave me a, a very interesting word one, one morning in prayer, and it was found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. My heart was burning, began to burn for the nations because that was part of the desire God had put in my heart there was a desire for the nations so I began I was I had uh, left the the Mennonite church I was part of this um, uh, new covenant church that um, came to our city and and um, uh, Pastor Vic Hildebrand was the pastor at that time and and um, and they believed in, the, in missions and nations. And I was, I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to take these, these gifts and these talents, my testimony, I want to take it to the nations, right? The calling of God was upon me. But God whispers this word into my heart. And he says, read it again. Because I had always read the first part. But you'll see, receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a witness. And he says, now, 
go to the map. You know, you know, you used to have those maps in the back of your Bible that you never looked at really. <laughs> but uh, he, he, I went to the back of the map and I began to look at it and you have Jerusalem, then you have Judea, then you have Samaria, then you have the uttermost parts of the earth. And you really, if you look at it, it starts with a dot. And then there's a circle and a region and then the nations. And he said, Greg, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be faithful in Jerusalem. I said, well, where's my Jerusalem? He said, this is your Jerusalem, your church. Your local church is your Jerusalem. Okay, I can do that. I want you to use your gifts in your Jerusalem. I want you to function in your gifts, your calling, your talents in Jerusalem. Let me then open up Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. But you know what happens many times? We get a calling, and we start looking out there. I can't do it here, God. I can't do it in my local church. I got to go do it out there. If you can't do it here, you will not do it out there. This is the place where God wants it to develop. This is the place where, where that calling in your life, that, those gifts, those talents, are, this is the place, this is your greenhouse where you are developing, your training ground, where God wants to develop those gifts in you so that step by step, he takes you into greater places of influence. So today, a few years later, I'm into the uttermost parts of the earth. But that's not where I started. I started in my Jerusalem. And I want to say to you guys tonight, where is your Jerusalem? If five stones is your Jerusalem, then be the best in Jerusalem. Be the best evangelist in Jerusalem. Well, I want to go to Zimbabwe, and I want to be evangelist there. If you're not an evangelist in Vancouver, you will never be evangelist in Zimbabwe. This is your training ground. This is the place that God has designed called the local church for that calling to develop, for that calling to grow in you under the, the covering of leadership, under the, the, the help of other senior leaders in your life to help grow you and help cause that to become more and more effective and, more sh and sharper in your life. Apprenticeship is God's way. Apprenticeship is God's way. I want to encourage you to develop a heart of serving. <laughs> I remember uh, <clears throat> uh, at 18, I went on my first mission trip. And this was like a dream came true, you know. It was like my pastor, he had opened a door. There was a, a youth uh, team ministry in Jamaica. We were going to the center of the island. We were being sent out two by two, uh, young people to go into the villages of Jamaica and preach. It was like, this is so incredible. I had just graduated high school, and I, I went uh, uh, for my first time to another nation. And um, <clears throat> when, I, when we went down there, I was so excited. I was like, wow, this is what God's called me to do. This is, this is the uttermost parts of the earth. And it, it really, I thought, this is, this is it. I'm going to get into full-time ministry now. <laughs> I'm, this, is, this is the start of it. But really, it was just a taste it was a taste of where God was going to take me. But I remember being down there and, and uh, preaching in, you know, these, these little churches up in the mountains. And, uh, you know, it was, it was an amazing cultural shock, cultural experience. 
because I was the minority now. I was the only one there. Everyone else was, was a, a different race. And even my roommate was from Florida. He was African-American. I was the only white guy in the whole place. And it was, it was this shock and this, this, this uh, transformation that was going on in me. And it was wonderful. God was using me with power. There were healings happening. There was all this. I was so excited. And I, you know, the, the end of the trip came, and I flew back to, to the United States, and I was still living with my parents, because I was only 18. And um, uh, as I got back, I, you know, got in late Sunday night, and, uh, you know, just put my, my suitcases on the floor in my bedroom, and I went to bed. I was super tired. But at about 6.30 in the morning, I get this knock on the door, and it's my father. He goes, hey, Greg, you know, this morning... Uh, you know, you told me that when you got back, we would, you would be able to help me put on the shingles, you know, uh, because, you know, I was working part-time for my dad in construction. And this is the middle of July or August in Michigan, and it's super hot, super humid. And um, I remembered I had made that <laughs> promise. I said, you know, when I come back, I'll help you do that roof. There was a big project we had to do. And, and so... Uh, here's my clothes. I still have my suits and my ties, you know, from the ministry trip. Uh, right here, just fresh from, from our, our mission, my mission trip. And then I had to go and put on all my work clothes, you know, the stinky and the holy ones and all of those clothes, and then get into the truck with my dad, and we're driving to the job site. And in my mind, I'm thinking, whoa, this is not my calling. God, why am I doing this? This is not for me. This is not what I want. I just got back from what I want, right? I just got back from what you've called me to do and to be. Now I'm going to go do this. And I remember I had a bad attitude already from, from the start of the morning. And so we got to the job site, and the elevator that's supposed to deliver the shingles up on top of the roof didn't come. So we had a huge extension ladder, two or three stories tall. We had to put the shingles on our back and climb up the ladder with these 80-pound uh, you know, shingles, bundle of shingles up to the top of the roof and put them one by one on the roof. And this is the middle of summer, and I'm just, I'm sweating and I'm complaining inside, and I'm like, God, I don't want to be here. This is not my calling. Why do you have me here? And, uh, you know, finally I got up on top of the roof, and, and uh, we didn't have the power guns, you know, the air guns to shoot them, so we had to use hammer and nail, old-fashioned style, you know, and, and, um, and I remember I threw the shingles down on the, on the, on the, on the deck of the, the roof and, and my father down, hey, everything okay up there? I said, yeah, dad, everything's fine, right? And um, <clears throat> I take out the first shingle, put it down, and I begin to hit the first nail. I get the first nail and I go for the second nail. There's four nails in each shingle. The second blow, I hit the wrong nail. And I smash my finger. And I am not praising God at the moment. There are other words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and my dad, hey, everything okay? And, and I was so angry. I was so like, God, why am I here? I don't, this is not where I belong. Yesterday I was in this other country. That's what I'm called to do. Why am I in this place? And God spoke to me very clearly. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not just your local church, but many times it's your business, your job, your school. These are your, where God's preparing you. He's training you. He says, if you can't 
follow a natural boss, if you can't build a natural house, how am I going to entrust you with a spiritual one? So up on the roof, he's God speaking to me, downloading Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I'm like, God, I don't, I don't like this, but I don't want to do construction work. I don't want to do, I don't want to build natural house. I want to build your spiritual houses. That's why you're here on the roof. I'm training you. So what do I do today? I'm a builder. I don't build natural houses anymore. I build spiritual houses. That's what's happening tonight. Be faithful in your Jerusalem. You might have a calling to be an evangelist. You might have a calling for lots of great things that God has spoken of your life. Do it in your local church first. Be that person in your local church that when your pastor thinks about you, he smiles. Don't be the person in church when your pastor thinks about you is like, oh boy. That's not, that's not good for you. We're going to read a verse that talks about that. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says this, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch over your souls. All right, so this helps me with my Jerusalem. In my Jerusalem, there's a leadership team. That leadership team is going to ask me to do things. They are, have a requirement from God to watch over my soul. What does that mean? They're, they're helping me on this journey called faith, helping me to hear God's voice, helping me to develop. That's why I'm under that leadership. I trust that leadership. I believe they have a heart for the kingdom. If they have a heart for the kingdom, they're going to help me to develop into a kingdom man or woman to develop those gifts and callings in my life. God's put me here for that purpose. And because I'm here, that means that they have a responsibility to watch over me. But my responsibility is to obey and submit. Wow, those are two words we don't hear very often anymore. But they are biblical. It's part of the training of God in our life. Notice what it says here. It says, for they watch over your souls as they that must give an account Sometimes we say, well, if I was the pastor, <laughs> if I was in charge of this ship, I would do it this way or do it that way. Oh, really? You think it's that easy? Yeah, pastors don't work. They only work on Sunday. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you don't know the pastor's life then. Do an interview with John and, and Rich and Mimi and, and their, their wives. Do, ask them about what do pastors do. And you realize, whoa, there's a lot more here than just working on Sunday. It says that they're going to give an account to God for those that have come underneath their care. That's a heavy statement right here. When I come and I say I'm part of this church, this corporate vision, that means I'm part of a leadership team that's been set there by God. That setting by God, they have been given a responsibility by God that is very heavy. To watch over your soul. To watch over the care and the development of who you are as a person. To watch over and help develop the calling that is in your life. That's part of their role. So it's not easy being the leaders. Sometimes we say, well, if I was the leader, I would know. It's easier said than done. But notice it says that they might give an account. That they might do it with joy and not with grief. In your Jerusalem, be the person that causes joy in your pastor's heart, not grief in your pastor's heart. I think this is a key point because it says here, 
it will not be profitable for you. When I realized this, I became good friends with my pastors. Because I realized that I want to bring joy to my leaders' lives. Because if I bring joy to them, they're the ones that are going to open doors for me. I'm not talking about brown nosing and, you know, and, you know uh, trying to get on the good side and, and just saying all the right things and all of that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about legitimately saying I want to be a blessing to the leaders of my church. I want to be a blessing to the vision that is in their hearts because if I help them, I know they will help me. If I help in their process, I know that they're going to help in my process. And I'm going to bring joy to them, which will be profitable to me. If I bring grief to them, it's not going to be profitable to me. This is part of your Jerusalem. So I encourage you tonight, all of you have a Jerusalem. I really hope you have a Jerusalem. Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says this. Paul's telling his spiritual son, he says, listen, uh, don't neglect the gift that's in you. This is 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. Uh, don't neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them so that your maturing or your advancement may appear to all. One of the things that began to happen in my local church, I began to use the gifts of God in my Jerusalem and my leaders. My leaders were the ones that said, Greg, we see the fruit of a prophet developing in you. I never had to call myself a prophet. I never had to print business cards, start handing them out to the congregation, 1-800-PROPHECY. I didn't, I didn't have to do any of that stuff, right? My leaders are the ones that saw the advancement and the growth in my life, and they are the ones that said, that's an orange tree, that's a mango tree, that's a lemon tree, based on the fruit that they saw. I never had to call myself anything. My leaders are the ones that identified and called it what it is. Hello. <laughs> if you have a calling in your life, be faithful with that calling in your local church. Let your leaders see that, call you that, because they're the ones that are going to open doors for you. It will be profitable for you. It will help you in the pursuit of the individual things in your life. You know, today I go to Taiwan a lot. But you know, the first time I went to Taiwan is because of a spiritual father. I didn't know anybody in Taiwan, didn't have any connections to anybody in Taiwan. But because of a spiritual father, he opened the door. And my goal was, I want to make my spiritual father have joy when he thinks about Greg, not grief. I have lots of people come to me and say, Greg, I want you to train me. Greg, I want you to train me. This one young man in New York, he said, Greg, I want to be, uh, he's, a, he's a young developing prophet. I, I believe he's a called to be a prophet. And I, I've told him that. I've said, and we pro I prophesied over him when the first time I met him. And I, I just know that there's this prophetic call in his life. And so I really, I really believe in this young man. I, I want to be involved. I want to help him grow. And so I would, uh, you know, when I come to New York, I'd say, hey, listen, I'm going to be in New York. I got this free time, this free time. And, and he always had said, hey, whenever you're here, let's meet together. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to spend time with you. And I said, that's great. So I said, at this time, at this time of day, at this, these three days are available, and these are the times. He said, well, that doesn't work for me. I said, okay, what about Tuesday at 8 o'clock? Well, I'm playing basketball at that time. 
And he said, well, I do have Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock. Well, that's not, that's not good for me because my, you know, my, my TV series is on at that time. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, I had another guy that lived in a total different state that would fly to, my, to Texas to spend time. He went out of his way to be there. He went out of his way to look for, to, to open, uh, uh, um, to find time in his schedule. He went out of his way to, to make it happen. Now, which, which of these two scenarios brings me joy or grief? <laughs> you understand? The one that brings me joy, I'm going to have an easier time opening doors for than the one that's bringing me grief and causing me pain. Think about it. In your church, be that person. Be that Timothy. Be that individual that when your leaders think about you, say, wow, that one, boy, they bring joy to my heart. They're the ones that are, that are volunteering for everything. They're the ones that are serving in all these different areas. And I'm telling you, God is going to use your leaders to help open incredible doors for you. Amen. Amen. Turn to your other neighbor and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> of course, he's not talking about me. He's talking about you. All right. Last thing I want to share tonight, God has a time. And God's time is kind of like, you know, those, those incredible people that know how to bake. That's, I'm not one of those people. But they know how to bake, and they, uh, my daughter is one of those people. And so for me, she puts, you know, the cake in the oven, and I look in the, in the glass, and I see, wow, the cake looks ready. So I'll pull it out, and what happens? It just it kills the cake, right? But she knows how much time it needs to be in the oven. And she knows when to pull it out, take the little toothpick, stick it in, is it, you know, the stuff sticking to it or not? I don't know any of those things. I just watch her and I go, wow, you're amazing, right? But there is a time. And this is the thing that I, I feel that is so important for us to, to capture tonight. Paul received a calling from Ananias through a prophetic word. But there was a time in Paul's life that he was in the Antioch church and there was this moment in Paul's history where it was the time. It was like, this is the right moment. It wasn't before or after. It was like, this is the moment. This is the right time. And the Holy Spirit spoke um, to the leaders. We see this in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy, the Holy Spirit said, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work where I've called them to. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them on their way. This is how it's done. It's done under leadership. It's done with blessing. It's done with the direction of the Holy Spirit. It's done that in, in a way that, that the, the blessing of the church, the support of the church, the the backing of the church is behind these two individuals and they're pushed out, they're sent out into the calling that God has upon them. We call this moment commission. Between calling and commission, there is a time. There is a process. And that process should happen within the local church context. 
That's God's highest goal. Now, I know there's, there's, there's exceptions that happen different places in the world, and there may not be good local church. I understand that there's these exceptions, but in general, there is, this is God's way of doing things, is the local church context and how within that context is where Saul was released into and commissioned for his apostolic ministry. I want to encourage you guys tonight that you might be in a local church, you're being supportive of, of what Five Stones is doing, but you have this calling in your life, and you're like, oh God, when is it my turn? When is the time up? I think the time is now. And sometimes we can begin pushing against the, the door of the oven. <laughs> can you imagine that? The cake saying, hey, I think I'm finished. Let me out of here. It's too hot in here. I think I'm finished. I look good. I'm, I'm a little golden brown on top. I think I can get out of here. And the cake pushing against the door of the oven. I was there before. I understand that. I was the young man at our local church. And even though God had spoken this thing about be faithful in Jerusalem, Greg, there was part of me, the calling in my life was pressing out and the, the tree was growing. And in my mind, I thought, I'm ready for the nation. Send me out to the uttermost parts of the earth, right? And, um, but God is so amazing. He's so wise. There were moments where I was putting pressure on the leaders. Hey, Pastor Vic, it's time. Pastor Vic, it's time. Pastor Vic, and pushing on my leaders, trying to, hey, trying to start making a space for me, a bigger space for me. And it's like the more I tried to push, the more, the more tension came. The more I tried to push, the more I tried to open my own doors, the more it seemed like I became more restricted. As I realized, wait a minute, I'm the cake trying to push the, the oven door open here. I can't do this. There is a time. And we, we don't like this word, but there's a four-letter word in the Bible called wait. <laughs> we talked about this earlier today. Wait is a, sometimes we you look at it as a swear word today. It's like a vulgar, don't use that around me. Um, it's, it is a kingdom word called Wait. Because the weight is where the cake is developing. The cake is becoming all that it's supposed to be. The ingredients have mixed together. Now there is something, when it comes out, is good, is ready. And that's what Saul was experiencing here. There was this moment in the church life with the leaders. They were listening to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, it's time. Barnabas, Saul, you too, it's time. And they laid hands on them. They blessed them, and they sent them out. What a beautiful picture of cooperating with a corporate vision, but also an individual calling in one's life. Some of you might be asking tonight, well, Greg, you left the Mennonite church. You didn't stay in that context. And I understand that there's moments where within our context, it might be very difficult for that calling to grow in your life. I understand that. And sometimes we, we hear, I'm, I'm going to be very careful how I say this, sometimes we hear these kind of statements I'm about to make. We say, oh, that's my way out. I was having friction with, with the leadership at Five Stone. That was my way out. Thank you, Greg. No, that's not what I'm talking about tonight. We look at so many things. Uh, ben and I were talking about this uh, earlier Think about David and Saul. 
David's context, he was the next king, but he was living in a, in a Saul kingdom. And David could have ran away. He could have killed Saul himself. He could have ended this and said, hey, it's time. I'm going to make my own way. I'll get rid of this guy. But David did not. There was a time for David. You look at Moses taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. You look at some of these situations where the context was impossible for the promise to happen, but there was a timing of God to come out of that place when the Holy Spirit wanted it to happen, not when the individual wanted it to happen. You follow that. So just because, well, my pastor's a little irritating, this, this structure seems a little bit too hard, or there's, it doesn't seem like there's a space for me. I have a call to be a senior pastor, but we already have a senior pastor, so how does that all work? Where will I, where will I be fruitful at? Be patient. <laughs> Allow God to speak the timing over your life. Don't just go run off and do your own thing. Don't just be the hand that just says, hey, I don't need my arm anymore. I'm going to go do my own thing. Don't do it. Don't do it. We see too many things. We see Joseph in prison. We see, you know, these other men that uh, in their context is like, how can I be a ruler and people are going to bow down to me? I'm in a prison. That's impossible. But even in that prison where it was constrained and there was all of this limitations, there was a timing. And God spoke. God used a man to speak to remember Joseph and released him from that place. We serve a big God. If he called you to, to a certain area of ministry, he is big enough to open those doors. He's big enough to talk within your structure. Now, there might be a moment, like in my case, where uh, my parents were involved, some other people, leaders were involved, where it's like, it's time for you to leave. And because there was only a certain point in the Mennonite structure that I could grow to where God wanted me to be. I would never be here today if I would have stayed within that structure. You understand? But it was not just, Greg, I got fed up with them and I'm just going to take off. That's not what we're talking about. Too many people have made mistakes in that where they didn't like what their leaders are doing. They didn't like the, the development process of their church, and they got really uncomfortable because God was changing them. And they said, well, it must be the Holy Spirit. It's time to leave. No. God has put you here for a purpose. God has brought you to a local church for a purpose. Amen? Amen. So tonight, there is a corporate vision. There is one body. There's not many bodies. There's one body. There's many parts. We all have different functions. But in order for that function to operate effectively, you've got to stay connected to the body. Amen? Father, tonight we thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us. You spoke to areas of our heart, areas of our thinking that maybe we didn't expect to hear about tonight, but there's something that you touch, something very profound you touched in each of us. So, Father, tonight we're asking you, help us to be faithful with our Jerusalem. If we are in this local church here or another church here in Vancouver, let us be faithful to Jerusalem. Let us begin to develop and to begin to function in that place. Take our eyes off of the goal out of the uttermost parts of the earth and bring it back to these people, this group, this congregation, this city before we get all excited about what's out there.
Help us to use our gifts here. Father, where we have been a grief to our leaders, forgive us. Where we have pushed against the boundaries, we've pushed against the training and the transformation. We said, I don't like it, it's uncomfortable. And we've even thought about leaving and doing something else. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to have your perspective. Help us to see ourselves that, God, you put us into a place, into a, a preparation process that we're here for a purpose and that, God, we want to help the vision of the local church. And by doing that, we will develop. We will grow in our own callings. So, Father, I thank you today. We're not here trying to build 27 kingdoms. 27 churches. There's one church. There's one kingdom. So, Father, we thank you that we want to have that mindset. We want to have that kingdom mentality that, that we're not competing against our leaders. We're not competing <clears throat> against our brothers and sisters. We are, we are part of the same team. And so we want to help each other develop, help each other grow. So, Holy Spirit, thank you for the callings on our lives. Thank you for the gifts you placed inside of us. Help us now to be a blessing to our church. Help us to be a blessing to Vancouver. Help us to be a blessing to our Jerusalem, then to Canada, then to North America, then to the uttermost parts of the earth. God, help us in this process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.